Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on that hockey show where the game is always on. Yeah, good day to you. Welcome to THS, everybody. Thursday, February 4th. Here a weekly recap of the NHL games storylines brought to you here by the good people at Go Hockey Media. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert, holding down the THS studios here in New York. And we will... As we always do, bounce around this great country, the United States, and the Great White North as well with our crew of four, the team of four, the four guys, the fifth guy, me, and them, all that stuff. But anyway, hey, we're here at THS. Joe coming up, talk to East Division and the Sabres, who are don't have any games this week pretty much. And then we'll uh, jump up north to Costa, we'll talk the... Canadian, or North Division as it's known as, and we'll talk some Habs, and then Tab will come in and we'll talk some Hawks in the Central Division, and then as always, we'll round the show out with Steve out in L.A., and we will talk some Devils with him as well, and of course, they are also not playing hockey this week too, because unfortunately, COVID is rearing its ugly head here uh, in the NHL. It's kind of been doing this for a little bit. It started out with the, uh, the Stars and the Canes. And the caps a little bit, and it's bounced around. So, um, as far as uh, what's going on here today, uh, tonight, and yesterday, um, we got uh, eight games going on tonight, even with um, three games being postponed, and that's the uh, the Sabres and Isles, the Devs and the Pens, and the Wild and the Avalanche, who are all supposed to play. The Wild, obviously, uh, also getting hit with the COVID bug here, too. And then uh, there were two games last night. Uh, the Bolts beat the Wings 5-1. Bruins uh, beat the Flyers uh, 4-3 in overtime. Pasternak had a hat trick. He's doing pretty well since he's gotten back. Um, the Wings are struggling, obviously. There they've lost seven, and maybe we'll get into that a little bit with Tab and, and see what he's seeing over there. But they, you know they they weren't expected to do all that well this year. So a tough night uh, for them last night and a tough season so far for them as well. Um, and as far as the rest of the schedule this evening for games that are going on, uh, the Caps at 6-1-3 and three will be taking the Rangers. Rangers have had a wild week here, uh, not only uh, on the ice but off the ice as well. We'll talk a little bit about that today uh, with regards to the Tony D situation and where he may uh, or may not end up on another team after being uh, pretty much dropped from the New York Rangers. Uh, the Preds at 4-5-0 and oh will be playing the Panthers tonight, who are f- undefeated still, 5-0-1, an overtime uh, tie there. Um, so the uh, the star uh, overtime win, I should say. Stars 5-1-1 one, and one will be playing the Blue Jackets 4-4-3 as uh, Line A has just joined them. He didn't do too well in his first game with them. No points. Uh, the Sens... Uh, 1-8-1, a struggling season there in Ottawa, are playing the Big Bad Habs uh, tonight, who are 7-1-2, top of the league. We'll talk about that with Costa later. Uh, the Canucks at 6-7-0 and are playing the Leafs tonight, also pretty hot, 7-2-1 and themselves. And then the Canes will round out the schedule tonight, 6-1-0 uh, and currently playing against the Hawks, who are 3-4-4, and we'll discuss that as well with Tab. 
and we'll get into those West Coast games with Stevie. So, again, uh, as far as COVID's concerned here, the Wild uh, have four games postponed uh, in Vegas. Uh, DeBoer here and Peter Angelo had to miss practice, and they missed the game on Friday. And um, the Sabres have been postponed till Monday. And the Devils have also been postponed through Saturday, and they were supposed to play the Rangers here on Saturday. So um, their schedules will not pick up until next week after, I guess, everybody gets through uh, protocol and, and, and so on. However, the, uh, the NHL um, deems fit for the guys to come back. And I guess uh, we have to kind of just expect this going on and on. Uh, it's, it's happening in the NBA. About 23 games have to be rescheduled and in that league and uh we're, we're we're starting to you know starting to hit those numbers or getting close to those numbers a little bit here with the nhl uh no nothing up in uh canada though none of the games up there i believe have been uh canceled and uh, i'll just have to double check that with costa but i believe so far they have been covid free as far as um uh covid affecting the schedule up in the great white north as far as uh who's hot and tops in the league uh mcdavid and drysaddle leading the league in points there in edmonton 24 for mcdavid drysaddle with 22 mcdavid obviously you know he's doing his weekly highlight real uh goals and stuff so he's doing his thing um bergeron is uh behind him there with 15 in in boston and james van reemsike uh, with 15 in uh, Philly, and then it just kind of everybody's a bunch of people, 14 points, and it goes on from down there. As far as goal scorers, uh, Tyler Toffoli with the Habs, he's got nine goals leading the league. Uh, he's got a lot of those against the Vancouver Canucks. In fact, the uh, the Habs have pretty much most of their goals against the, the Vancouver Canucks. Um, and then uh, Brock Bozer's got eight there in Vancouver, Vancouver and uh, a bunch of guys there as well, just, um, you know, you know, seven from then on down. So, uh, and this is all through, you know, 11, 12 games here with most of the teams uh, and, and dry settle and Pavelski and, and Rantanen. Like I said, from then on, it's, it's like seven goals down and it's a bunch of guys with six goals. As far as goalies in the league, uh, Grubauer's got uh, seven wins there in, in Colorado. Uh, Vasilevsky's behind him there with six and Billington in St. Louis, Bennington, I should say in St. Louis with six wins as well. So that's basically, you know, what's going on here in terms of uh, where the league stands, uh, who's at the tops here. Uh, it's rolling along. I hope everybody's enjoying the game. The games that we're three weeks in, you know, it's February now. Um, you know, like I said, even with the uh, the postponements, uh, you know, things are pretty much uh, continuing to happen, and we're getting used to this as fans and, and teams, uh, writers, insiders, commentators, everything else in terms of, um, you know, handling these different breaks with uh, with COVID and everything else. So uh, this is kind of new. It's never really, you know, happened in, in pretty much any sports. So, um, you know, like I said, talking with Joe today, the Sabres not playing uh, these last couple of games before we get to talk this afternoon. Uh, same thing with, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Stevie and the Devils too. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just part of the game right now, unfortunately, as far as, uh, you know, COVID. And just hopefully it kind of, it doesn't continue on. But you can imagine uh, it will just... Um, that's just been the uh, the trait of uh, of COVID in all of the sport in all of sports pretty much. So, um, but like like I said, I, I don't think it's uh, it's hitting Canada yet up there as far as uh, uh, the Canadian division. So maybe they maybe they got something going on a little better than what we got going on down here in the states, or maybe there's just more teams down here, more action going on down here in the USA. But I, I think on the ice, uh, I think some of the more exciting action actually has been going on up there in the uh, Canadian division as far as, like I said, you know, you can see where the goal-scoring leaders are. And uh, I've watched a couple of games, the West Coast games, the late-night games with Canadian teams, and they've been uh, a lot of fun. And, um, you know, it's it's rolling, 
and rocking along here. Um, getting back real quick, and uh, maybe we'll uh, touch on this with uh, with Joey when he gets on here in a, in a little bit. Uh, you know, myself based here in New York, down here in Long Island. Uh, you know, and a Rangers guy. I also have a Rangers podcast myself, and, and the Tony D'Angelo situation here. Um, and I guess outside of the the situation being done here for the Rangers, outside of the fact that they just have to trade this guy, or um, and the reports came out from Bob McKenzie yesterday at NBC Sports that the Rangers are absolutely willing if that nobody takes him because uh, I don't believe they want to take a bad contract back. That they will they'll sit on him. They'll just pay out the fees, pay his uh, salary. They'll buy him out, uh, take the penalty hits. Um, but that's pretty. Um, that's a pretty big statement that you know. You know he's not coming back, and they're willing uh, to pay him all that money, and uh, just to, to keep him away from the squad. So unfortunately, uh, a tough incident there for um, <clears throat> him as a player. But you know, depending on what's really going on inside his head and 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 outside, and you know his game, whether it's problems with Quinn uh, and some other controversial stuff, uh, hopefully he gets his stuff together one way or the other, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, basically what happens there uh, with regards to him getting back uh, into a, a, a lineup or, um, you know, getting back playing hockey again. So we'll see what happens. But anyway, right now, we got to waste any more time listening to me. It's time to bring our good buddy Joe Yurden in from Buffalo, New York. It's pretty quiet up there in Buffalo as far as hockey's concerned right now. But uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in the rest of the division and the league. Joey! What's going on? Thanks for coming back and hanging out with me on a Thursday afternoon here on THS. How you doing, pal? Doing great, Paulie. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I, you know, it's funny. We're down here on Long Island, you know, with the snow and everything. We can say it's cold, but it's, it's never really as cold as it gets up in Buffalo. <laughs> I was going to say, we got, we got snow coming our way uh, tomorrow, I think, tomorrow night. So, yeah, we got like a, about a foot foot and a half coming which is a normal buffalo winter i guess we have we haven't had a normal buffalo winter this year so we've been getting treated so this is this is a nice shock to reality (laughs) you got to put the flip-flops back in the closet huh buddy (laughs) yeah you know the the speedo has got to go back in i gotta i gotta put the suntan lotion away it's uh dear lord the pains of reality let me tell you (laughs) so look pal we were hoping to have a couple more games to talk about here but speaking of the pains of things and that's uh that's Mm. covid here uh Rearing its ugly head here in the league. Um, until the pause here by the Sabres, uh, after 10 games played, 4-4-2. Uh, they had the loss Sunday to uh, the Devils um, uh, after, uh, you know, playing the Isles uh, last week as well, too. I'm sorry. Uh, the, the Isles this week, the two games against the Isles this week are postponed. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, they, they were split there with the, you know, with the Rangers and stuff, and then they've got, uh, you know, after the split here with the Isles that they were supposed to play, they got a couple tough games coming up with Boston, and that pretty much goes for the rest of the league. But um, they split with the Caps, uh, then with the Rangers, and then um, I guess the question is 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 what your take is on on the last game that they played, um, and 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 any storylines that you want to take out from the team, you know, heading into this, and then obviously I definitely want to hear about how the team is handling this on a PR side, you know, for a guy who covers the team and knows the team, like, what do you do during this situation? It hasn't happened really to the Rangers yet, so I don't know outside if you're sitting home just twiddling your thumbs, you know, what you do when a team is postponed. But uh, let's talk about the loss of the Devs there and, and any any good things you can take out of it. Well, I'd say the, the, the loss to the Devils is a bad one, as far as I'm concerned. The the lineup the Devils kind of ran out there uh, the whole weekend. I mean, they the, the whole COVID thing for them, 
you know, started up before that before that weekend series really got underway. And um, you know, I they they played okay uh, Saturday afternoon. I thought that was, I mean, you don't want a team like the Devils right now with the way that their lineups made up. You don't want to be going to shootouts. You don't want to be going to overtime with them. You want to take care of business in sixty and move on. And you know, they still had to go to a shootout. Eichel with a with a break goal in the shootout there. Um, but that was a, that was a four, three win. And I don't like giving up three goals to the devils, but it's, you know, NHL is almost the, in that any given Sunday kind of, kind of, kind of league. I mean, everybody's pros. I mean, you, you can, we, we can knock it. And I've certainly knocked some of these teams, you know, with the, with the rosters they've had to put out. Um, but they're still all professionals and they're still all going to work hard. And, you know, Lindy's, Lindy's not gonna gonna give anybody a break, whether they're just fresh up from Binghamton or if they've been in the league for for 15 years. He's gonna he's gonna go at them the same way. So the the fact that Jersey did beat him on Sunday afternoon, not a big surprise. Uh, but you know, I I think the the way that that series plays out, though, I mean, everything with this whole COVID breakout, it just kind of wards over it because. You know the Devils. Devils came in. They had uh, they had some guys put on the list before they started that series, uh, and then uh, Kyle Palmieri plays on Saturday. That doesn't play on Sunday. He goes on the COVID list, and it's just like, okay, what's going on here? Like, what you know, what happened? And apparently, uh, the way the testing broke down, um, because the game was at one in the afternoon, they didn't have enough time to get the test back to be able to to have results in time for Sunday's game. And to me, that's bonkers. And I don't know if that was a case for Saturday too, but, um, but that the way, the way things are, the way things are taken care of there, you got to have a better system in place to, to know what's going on. Cause if you know, you got like two more guys that are going to be coming out of the lineup after that game Sunday, you can't play the game. Like, as far as I'm concerned, like you can't, you can't do that. I know they got guys in the taxi squad and all that, but I mean, Jersey's got 17 guys on their list now. And I know, I know a couple of those got, you know, Carrick's, you know, away for the birth of his, for, for his kid, you know, uh, Dell's Dell's on the list because he got traded. So he's in quarantine, but, um, that, I mean, that's too many. It's, it's way too many guys. I mean, you, you get 20, you get 20 guys on a, on a nightly game roster and you got 17, 17 on the list. Man, you can't do that. You can't. You, you just can't do it. You got to. You got to postpone immediately. Do you think this is? Um, I mean, obviously, it, it's not happening so far up north in the Canadian division, but it's breaking down mm-hmm. here a little bit. I mean, I don't know how the logistics of all this works. And mm-hmm. I, can you only imagine if there were fans in the stands, you know, or even percentages of it and the, the rescheduling and how that would work, just even on a ticketed side or whatever? But um, from what you've heard. You know, you're talking about, you know, the system, uh, the testing, uh, how this is going on. I mean, does this seem to be just a failure league-wide? Or may, or should we not make too much about it because it's only been uh, even – is a handful of teams too many? Well, I, I don't know if this is a league-wide failure, but certainly the situation right now, uh, at least as far as New Jersey and Buffalo is concerned – it showed that there's some huge flaws in it. Uh, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, we saw the same thing almost happen with Vegas uh, when they were de- when they were playing St. Louis, and the coaching staff for Vegas had to had to not be on the bench, um, and yet they still moved ahead with playing. And you know, you know, I, I know the coaches are a little bit more separated from the players because, you know, if you're on the ice at practice and you know the close quarter stuff, you know, it's not really too huge of a case just because the coaches you know in the locker room yeah the coach comes out and talks to the guys 
you know, on a game night and, you know, goes over the lineup or whatever. But, um, but you know, the coach, a lot of coaches will just step out of the room and just let the, you know, let the players just do their thing. And the coaches kind of stay off the, stay off on the side. So, I mean, that's a whole different situation, but when it's a play, when it's players and, you know, you have something like what happened with, with Jersey. And I know, you know, one of the things Bill Daly seemed to seem to say to John Vogel in an email was, um, you know, that they're looking into on ice transmission of this. And, you know, they said that they didn't believe that there was there was too much of a reason for that. And there is some science behind that. But still, you're checking guys. And, you know, you look at the guys that have got that got uh, that are on the list now for, for Buffalo. It's it's Ristolainen, and it's Hall. It's Toby Reader. And it's Brandon Montour. Well, Ristolainen plays 20 minutes a night. Taylor Hall's playing, you know, 18 minutes a night. Brandon Montour's playing, you know, 16, 17 minutes a night. That's a lot of it's a lot of chances. It's a lot of opportunities to be on the ice with guys that that may may have had it. And considering the situation Jersey's in, half the team had it. You know, more than half the team's got got a reason to 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 have it or whatever. So, you know, th- it, everything about it is just ugly. And you know, now we've got more teams coming up coming up with this, you know, Minnesota's got an outbreak, um, forgetting some of the other teams, you know, Dallas had a huge outbreak before the season started, you know, Tampa had a thing over the summer after, um, after the Stanley cup stuff got over with. So, you know, there, I mean, there's just, there's so much about, yeah, the caps too. I mean, yeah, I think what, I forget who who shared it, but they said that 90 players have been put on the list so far this year. And that's crazy. I mean, 90 players, that's four, that's almost five teams worth of, uh, of rosters. So, um, you know, the NHL just put in new, new things to, to try to, to help stem this, you know, to take the glass away from behind the benches, um, to try to open up the airflow to try to loosen that up. But I mean, the, you know, the, the, uh, saying to do all the meetings through video, which I don't understand how that wasn't the case before. Like, (laughs) I mean, just simple logistical things, that makes sense should have been in place there before, but you know, uh, you know, like every sport, the NHL is guilty of it. They don't really take hard action until there's a deadline. Well, there's no deadline here, but now you're losing games and you're losing, you know, you're losing, you know, teams for, for weeks at a time because they got to get this scored away. And now, you know, in Buffalo's case, the entire team is, is quarantined away. Uh, and now Ralph Kruger has it. So, you know, Ralph Kruger's 61 years old and, you know, let's face it, this, this virus affects older people more. And, you know, I think of Don Granado who missed almost a month last year with severe pneumonia. I mean, you know, what if he comes down with it? Then, you know, you're talking about a guy who was in the hospital last year. He's in intensive care for it last year. So it's like, you know, things spiral out of control with this. If you don't get a handle on it and everybody just seems to just kind of ignore the elephant in the room and say, listen, we can get through this. We can get by it. But there's, there's holes all over the place with this. And it, it it's, it's incredibly reckless. Yeah, I mean, and that that's the scary part about it. Like I say, when you when you say you know Kruger and and an older guy gets it like that, and and God forbid it gets to a situation where either somebody gets critical, and then you go to the end, say somebody somebody passes from it, you know, in the league due to it. I mean, what do you do as a league? How do you how do you how do you go through that? I mean, it hasn't happened yet in the NBA. It hasn't happened yet in the NFL. Um, unbelievably college football pretty much got through it too even with uh with fans fans on the field all that kinds mm-hmm. of stuff um but that's um you know just listening to you talk about Kruger getting it and in, in, in the age and then if you think what if it goes what if it really takes a turn here um you know that's that's the scary part let me ask you, Joe how you know so this is like I said this is a, a week with games postponed how does the how's the Sabres PR handle this 
Um, is Kruger obviously he's he's not is he commenting commentating this week about the team or what's going on or is he basically just shut down media wise? What 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 kind of feedback do the fans and and say uh, insiders and commentators and guys who cover the team like you? What do you get from a team right now during a three to four game post moment? Well, right now we're we're, we're only getting announcements about. You know, if well, I mean, this morning we we got a we got a message from PR saying that uh, Kruger Kruger tested positive for it. So that's that's the extent of it. Like, but they're not they're not there's no media availability with with this until they get back on the ice. Uh, which right now, I mean, the games are postponed for them through until February eighth at least. Um, and you know, hey, listen, if if the, if more guys continue to test positive for this. You got to start thinking about like, okay, what happens next week? You know, then, then you start thinking like, well, okay, well, by the time this team might get back in, back in the ice, it might be two weeks, which you know that seems to be the normal, normal amount of time you got to quarantine to to let you know to get through this and, the, and to get by it. So, uh, I, I think it'll be it'll be at least until after the Super Bowl before we before we hear from any players or, or whatnot. But you know, right now it's just the the daily release of of the list to see if it gets updated from the league, to see if more names get added. I mean, you know, Buffalo had two more names added yesterday and now Kruger. We'll see if there's more more players added, you know, later today or tomorrow or whatever. But um but yeah, I mean as far as far as access for us, I mean there's 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 none. And it's just it's all coming from the league, which, you know, I understand. I mean at least I'll say this, at least it's different from the bubble, you know, the playoff bubble last year where, you know, guys were going out and it was just, you know, they were unable to perform. At least now we're, they're letting us know, like, OK, they're going on the COVID, they're going on the COVID list. And if they test positive or if they're or if they're being you know put aside for that, they're at least telling us who it is. Uh, so we're not left wondering if they've got, you know, a, a twisted ankle or if they or if they've got COVID. So it's I mean, it. It's it's very very minuscule changes and you know very 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 different. But at least they're letting they're, they're keeping us informed on on that much. I mean it it's tough because it's you know I mean that's personal health information. But the same point, you know, league's got to league's got to do their part to 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 be transparent about it because they can't just cover it up and say like ah well listen uh, this guy's got uh, something. Uh, we got to keep them off the ice for a week or so. It's you can't you can't cover that kind of stuff up and and then let it go. Yeah, and Joe, last thing on this is the team allowed any of the guys allowed to skate? Is there any practicing, um, or is it basically a complete shutdown of operations? Even you know, basically as far as staff training and all that other stuff. Yeah, there's there's nothing organized from the team whatsoever. I mean, these guys are these guys are being told to to stay off the ice. You know, go hunker down at home and and you know, kind of wait things out for now because I mean, uh, what is it? I think it's, if I've been stu- studying my COVID notes enough here, um, I think it's five days. I think it's five days when you, when you're most infectious, uh, if you've got it. Um, and, you know, considering that they, you know, they played Jersey on Saturday, Saturday and Sunday, you know, I think you're just sweating it out here for the next maybe day or two to see what happens. Um, uh, you know, because the guys were the guys did practice on Monday. Uh, they were supposed to fly to Long Island on Monday, uh, and then they didn't because of the snow. Uh, and then they were going to say, "All right, well, we'll fly out early Tuesday morning." And then everything, you know, all the stuff started hitting the fan on Tuesday, and um, that's when that's when uh, Hall. Uh, that yeah, that's when Hall and Ristolainen went on the list, and they said, "All right, forget it. We're, we we can't we, we're not making that trip because it's too risky right now." And uh, you know, Jersey, you know, Jersey's 
list blew up like crazy the last couple of days. So, um, so yeah. So I mean, they as far as I as far as I can tell, they haven't been together as a team since Tuesday, at least since Monday, maybe as late as Tuesday. So you're you're kind of sweating things out for the next five, you know, three, four, five days to see if anybody else comes down with it or whatever. And then from there, you have to just kind of kind of figure it out from there. But it's uh, but as far as Buffalo is concerned, I mean, they're they're pissed. <laughs> I mean, they are they're absolutely over the moon furious about this. And I do not blame them one bit. Yeah, no, I mean, just, you know, and, and developing a team, developing just a kind of a, a flow and just to shut everything down in the midst of a season here. And, uh, you know, when when we get to the end of this, Joe, how it all ends up is going to be just interesting in terms of, you know, what what if teams had to play this or how many games they could have lost mm-hmm. or injuries, COVID. Um, it, it's a very unique NHL season we got here. All right, Joe, um, like I said, unfortunately we didn't have many games to talk <laughs> about with the Sabres too much. But uh, two quick things here on the division and, and mm-hmm. a quick note. Um, maybe uh, just what's the biggest storyline for you right now, this division, whether it's Pasternak, uh you know, coming back the Bruins here or any other teams that making your, you know, your, your, your eyebrows rise a little bit in this division. Well, I think we talked about it last week with the Bruins where I said, well, let's see what, let's see how this team looks when, when Pasternak gets back in the lineup. And, you know, cause the Bruins looked a little bit shaky. There's, you know, things looked a little bit off, but man, Pasternak's the real deal, isn't he? Holy cow. I mean, he's just coming out, busting out hat tricks, scoring goals like crazy. I mean, the Bruins were down what three, nothing to Philadelphia. And came roaring back. Pasternak gets a hat trick. Bergeron gets the goal in overtime, and Pasternak gets an assist on it. So like those guys both pile up four points. It's what you know. It's two guys at one line, and they're destructive. Like it's it's an, it's incredible what they can do. And you know what? That's that's kind of what I mean. That's kind of what I was waiting for out of Boston before people were just like, well, I don't know. They don't look that good. I was like, well, let's let's see what happens when their forty fifty goal guy gets back in the yeah. lineup. We'll see how it goes and. Man, oh man! And I mean, you know, if you're Philly, I mean, you're furious about how how just folding the tents like that. I mean, a couple of bad penalties late. Um, you know, you just you can't give teams like that free opportunities at the end to just just you know fire away. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if you're Philly, you're just like, we got to stop doing this. Like they, they've had too many games where they've just kind of just collapsed at the end and and just let teams roll all over them. Which I mean, you know, we always talk about you know you know, trying to pack it in at the end of the game and, and trying to just trying to protect the net. Sometimes it don't work, man, because you, you, you're you letting the other team's best guys get more opportunities to score. And well, that's what happens. <laughs> that's totally what happens. So, I mean, Boston, I mean, geez, Pasternak's such a difference maker and yeah. he's, he's such a joy to watch, but he changes that whole complex of the Bruins roster because now everybody else can kind of fall in line. Nobody's playing, up a line or they're playing out of position or they're playing, you know, playing in, in playing minutes that they shouldn't be playing or as many minutes as they should be playing. And that works to their benefit greatly. And you know what? Score a bunch of goals makes everybody's job a lot easier, <laughs> a lot easier. So Boston is, is scary. Um, and that, that to me makes them way more interesting. And I think that's, that's a bad sign for everybody, everybody else in the division because the rest of the division looks iffy. I mean, everybody's got some huge issues. I mean, Boston's still got their huge issues, but, I mean, Pasternak's such a game changer, and he's such a scary scorer, and he just scores in bunches. I mean, I think I saw a thing where he's got uh, – the number of hat tricks he's posted is – 
he's like he's like so far ahead of like where other players have done it. He's like he scored as many hat tricks as, as some guys have done like you know over their careers, and he's done it in like four hundred and something games. So, um, it's crazy. I mean, the, the guy the guy's incredible, and uh, to me, that's that's exciting to watch. I mean, that 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 kind of stuff is great. Yeah, no, it is. It's uh, I don't know how I don't know how great it's going to be for the New York Rangers here. They've got uh, eleven games uh, coming up here in this next stretch, and I think six of them against the Bruins, mm. and uh. You know, they they come off the win the other night after the uh, the wild week they had, and then they got the big bad caps coming in turn tonight. Last thing, Joe, before I let you go real quick, does Tony D get picked up by another team? Does somebody go for him and take him off the Rangers this season? Or do you think he's going to be sitting out for a couple of seasons? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I the insiders keep talking about how there's interest. I think, uh, I, think so, I, I think it was McKenzie who was saying that, yeah. you know, Detroit called, Anaheim called. Uh, I forget who the third team was, but these teams called about him, and that I think that's being very careful with how you word things. I don't yeah. think that necessarily means there's interest, because I mean I, I look at Detroit. Steve Eiserman drafted, I think he drafted D'Angelo in Tampa, and traded him to Arizona almost right away. Like I, th- I think Steve Eiserman knows what he's dealing with there. Um, yeah. That, but that to me, I mean, Detroit needs help regardless. I mean, yeah. let's let's face it, they need help, but. Is that the kind of help you need? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think, uh, you know, I think of some of the guys they've got in the organization there, and I'm just like, I don't know if that's a fit. Um, I don't know if he's a fit for anybody. Given, I mean, the off ice stuff is a huge problem. Let, let's 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 not beat around the bush on that. That's a that's a humongous problem. The guy shoots his mouth off constantly. He's very abrasive. I mean, he had some guys in the Rangers room that were his buddies, and like that still wasn't enough to to keep him and keep him in check. Um, so, I mean, I, these other teams that are checking, I mean, I don't know Anaheim. Like, I don't know what you're thinking there. Um, so that that to me just screams. Um, this could take teams called about it, but I don't know that the interest is genuine. Yeah. Um, but I could see. The one way I could see this playing out is I could see a team that has a long-term contract that maybe they're looking to offload and they can trade that to the Rangers with, you know, maybe some kind of sweetener pick or something and take D'Angelo and then just buy out D'Angelo because they can do it. I mean, he's two year, you know, it's a two-year contract. He's only got a year after this one, but you can buy him out at one third, one third of the rate over the, over twice the rest of the contract because he's under 26. So if you want to save yourself some money on a buyout, if you were thinking of buying out a guy with a, with a contract, anyways, you can do that. Just send that guy to the Rangers, give him you know, give him a third round pick, and then say, all right, we'll take we'll take your headache off your hands. And by the way, we're buying out that headache because it's going to make things a lot easier for us financially to do that than rather poison the well with our own team and and potentially just put a you know stick a bomb in the season and just say forget it. But um, it's an, it's an awful, ugly situation, but I, to, to say that the Rangers didn't know what they were, what, you know, they, they, they couldn't have expected any of this. I don't know. Maybe look at the guy's Twitter account, you know, once <laughs> at all in like the last couple of years and maybe think that this could be a problem. Yeah. I think they give him a lot of strikes. He went over it and uh, they just couldn't deal with it anymore. So, uh, uh, you know, as a guy who covers the Rangers here in New York and a fan, um, I'm just glad they're moving on. They're moving forward. Just get back to hockey here one way or the other. Joe, your aces as always. Hopefully next week we back here. Uh, the Sabres will have a couple games uh, in, in hand. Maybe they get back on the ice, and hopefully all those guys uh, hang in there as this, this season continues to twist and turn. Yes. So uh, thanks so much as always, Joe. And uh, enjoy the big game on Sunday too, man. Uh, who are you taking, Chiefs or the uh, the Bucks? 
I'm liking the Chiefs. I hate betting against Touchdown Tom, man, but I, I think the Chiefs are the Chiefs are unstoppable. But right. my, I might be eating those words when we talk next week. <laughs> we will indeed. Thanks, Joe. Enjoy the game. Have a great weekend. Stay safe, buddy. You too, Paulie. Take it easy, man. Cheers. Joe Yurden, everybody. As always, joining us here on THS. Giving us our take, his take, on the uh, Eastern Division there, as well as the Buffalo Sabres. And right now, though, it is time to head on up to the Great White North and bring our buddy, Mr. Costa, Papalias. What's going on, pal? It's warm Thursdays. Here, <laughs> it's warm, man. The sun's out. It's beautiful. And next week, we're going to be back down to, like, minus forever. So let's enjoy it while I can. I tell you, man. Yeah, you know, I like this, Costa. You got this great attitude here every week when you jump on board with me. I mean, I- I'm in good spirits, too. But, man, you're just like, uh, there's nothing bothering old Costa up there in the great weather. And how could you? Because the Habs are tops in the league, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought? I, I like it's like I told you, right? We talked about that ten game threshold last week. We said we're going to be past that. Habs are flying. Couple of little hiccups that we can discuss, but man, oh man, watching this team, I'm, I'm, I, the depth really like it, it's something I haven't seen on this team since the late seventies. Now, now everybody knows how old I am. So there you go. <laughs> well, look, man. Uh, I mean, maybe all they have to do is play Vancouver every two weeks, and uh, you know, it's it's a lock here. So. Uh, yeah, here we go. Seven, one, and two after ten. Um, tops in the division, sixteen points. Tops in the league. You got Ottawa tonight. I got to say, that's another. That's the eighth win of the season tonight. I mean, holy hell! If you guys lose this evening, what'll go on in uh, Habs country? Um, oh yeah. Splits with Calgary. Beat the Canucks uh, six, two, and five through. You got five through. You guys love scoring against the Canucks. You um, should be saying Tyler Toffoli likes to score against the Canucks. <laughs> I know, right? And then. Uh, Seven three and five two. That that was previously beating them. Uh, those guys. I mean, what's this? What's that's uh, six, eleven, uh, eighteen. You know, almost twenty five goals against the Canucks there in four games. Man, mercy, yep. mercy. Yep. Yeah, tell me, tell me about it. It's it's crazy. And the funniest part is that if you look at it, it's not like the Canucks aren't trying. They just can't <laughs> catch a break if their life depended on it. <laughs> it's so sad to watch because, like you know, I like Travis Green. You know, I hated him as a player with the Bruins. But he's a good coach. Yeah. And, you know, you look at what he's got in front of him. It, it, it's tough. I mean, and, and he's trying. I mean, he called the second game, he called a timeout. You could see him ripping his players, right? But, you know, it is what it is. You know, he's got only so much talent. Jim Benning basically, you know, giving away Tana for, for nothing, taking away his best goaltender, Jacob Markstrom. He's got nothing to work with on the back end. And up front, you know, if, if Brock Besser and Bo Horvat don't score – Peterson's got one on the season. I mean, he needs more from him. I mean, the Canucks are in deep, deep trouble unless they can get those guys off the schneid. That is, a, uh, it's it's a great statement, man. It really is. I mean, and this is the craziness. I mean, you know, I was just uh, talking with Joey before and we were touching on COVID here, how it's pretty much, you know, rearing its ugly head here down here uh, in the States. It hasn't hit up north yet, right? Don't tell it. It might actually move up here. No, I know, I, but I'm, I'm just saying. You, it's, 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 
it, know, it's, as it's far as like flow, flow, flow of the games, I mean, everybody's raving about the, the competition that's going on up north. There's no doubt about it. So, yeah. you know, and all the Canadian teams here are getting to run everything they got. There hasn't been any uh, pause. There hasn't been any break. And now you're seeing this down here in the States. Now it's jumping from the Stars and the Cats, and now it's going to the Sabres and the Devils and the Wild and Vegas. It's 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 really starting to get, you know, and Buffalo too. So, um, but th- it hasn't happened up there yet, right? I'm kind of surprised because, Paul, when when the NHL decided to turn around and restart all this stuff and get the season back going again in January, what what really got me was that there was no communication between Edmonton and Toronto, where we had our playoff bubbles, and the rest of the league. You know, so you want to kind of get, you know, you want to get the all 31 teams in the league to get a feel for what Edmonton and Toronto did in order to maintain that bubble and to make sure that teams aren't getting infected. Is the problem at the rinks? That's the first thing you got to mitigate. But the second thing you got to mitigate is travel. You got to make sure everybody's traveling the same way. Are they using charters? Great. Are the charters disinfected? There's all these different variables that go into it that were, you know, overlooked because of the fact that the Edmonton Toronto bubbles worked so well during the playoffs. So now you've got all 31 cities, you know, with people traveling in and out all the time, including the home teams, and and then you're wondering. Are they being extra careful? Do they know? Are they testing their planes out? Are they testing their players as frequently as they would in a bubble? Because the fact that, you know, there's travel. Is the league not testing them because they're worried about quarantining teams for two weeks? Is that an issue? Nobody knows. So right now, you guys are suffering below the 49th because of all this. And up here in Canada, because all the restrictions are in place, and there are strict guidelines as far as curfew. I mean, in Quebec, uh, in the province of Quebec, where the Habs are, they're making people go be home before eight o'clock at night. There's a, there's a curfew. Wow. So, you know, there's all these different restrictions that apply up here that in the U S you're not seeing, you know, so it, it makes it very, very difficult to be able to manage it all. We're a mess down here, buddy. Let's just call it what it is. Well, funny, funny, funny story. I was, I was, I was looking at some of the stuff that my buddy, Jimmy Murphy down in Boston was writing. Yeah. And he was saying how lucky the Bruins are that they were playing in a bad division. And then I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Well, you know, the Habs up here up north, you know, the competition isn't quite that great either. So, you know, it's, you know, you got one or two teams in each one of these divisions that's kind of, you know, taking advantage of the fact that there's some weakness there. But hey, you, you got to do it, it man. Is. You got to hammer well, the nail as much as you can because who knows where we're going to be at the end of the season when it's all done. Oh, um, absolutely. Getting back to Defoley here, uh, nine goals. Josh Anderson, six goals. Both have 13 points. Jeff Petrie with 13 points. Um, talk about, I mean, like I said, we, we mentioned it last week. And, you know, the trend is still continuing. Everybody contributing and, and just uh, playing very cohesively up front. Any other storylines outside of those guys? Uh, somebody else is impressing you on the on the top six? Well, there were a couple of things that really messed me up as far as that. But top six, you can't complain. I mean, uh, top six is doing really, really well. I think the only guy that's a letdown is Phil Dano because he doesn't have a single goal yet this season. He hasn't scored, I think it's in 35 games. And, you know, here's a guy who turned down a $5 million contract extension at the beginning of the year thinking he's worth more, but he hasn't done anything to show that. So people are starting to question what kind of brains this man has. So, you know, right now everybody's talking about, you know, oh, he's a $3.5 million guy. And, you know, Phil Deneau's got his points. I mean, he's, he's a great defensive player. You know, he contributes offensively because of his capability to go into the corners and pick up the puck. You know, he's great on face-offs, but, you know, you, there were guys like Manny Malhotra and Yannick Perot that played in this league for years that had those same qualities, and it just didn't work out for them in the same 
type of frame when you're talking about cash. Now, Danilo has $5 million thrown on him and he doesn't accept it. That's kind of like weird. And the other thing I get that freaked me out about the Habs is that they brought up Victor Mete, who's a goal-giving machine. He doesn't score them, but, you know, everybody scores against him when he's on the ice. And I, I just – it was beyond me. I think they're trying to showcase him. But, man, oh, man, leave that kid down. Until, you know, leave him in the taxi squad. He has no business playing up here right now. His team's flowing on all cylinders and you're putzing around trying to get rid of a player. Like, come on, you know. Keep winning games and never mind the rest of that trade crap. <laughs> why, why, why would they be doing something like that? Uh, what's your take on, on on the decision making there? Well, there's all kinds of teams that are looking for offense from the back end, right? I mean, you look at Edmonton; they're looking for some help for Darnell Nurse. You know, Toronto's always looking to improve their back end. So, you know, I don't see why they wouldn't showcase him. It's just when you're on a roll like the Habs are, don't, don't touch a winning formula. You want to showcase him after a loss when you have your best foot forward no problem but don't stick him in there just to say you're sticking him in there so people can see him yeah i i that that makes no sense to me yeah i hear you well i mean you know i guess when you're when you're doing so well you gotta you know you need probably getting bored of winning here you know so mix it up well i can i I can tell you one thing and and this applies to all the games that i've watched their backs to backs buddy if they don't do something about the energy levels when teams are tipping the scales as far as score like if you look at the two Canucks games, right? You had one that finished at six two, and the other one was five three. In the six two game, in the third period, they were just going through the motions. The Canucks weren't trying to score, and the Habs weren't pushing forward. They were just giving the puck away, going back and forth, and just exchanging like shots from the outside. It was boring, and I fell asleep to be dead honest during that third period. The next game, a little bit better, but that six two game. I mean, if that's the way it, the trend is going to be with back to back games, uh, no. Don't, you know, put 24 hours in between or something, you know, have a gap day or something. Don't play back to backs because it's horrible. The hockey in between is horrible when you're playing back to back. That's the only bad thing I've seen so far. Yeah, no, good point, man. That's a, it's a good point. I mean, I I don't see what their options are right now. And, and now with, uh, you know, postponing games and and teams losing a week of playing and, and, you know, practicing and all that other stuff. I mean, how those teams are going to swing back on that as well. I mean, obviously Dallas and and, uh, Florida and and Carolina did okay, but, you know, uh, it's different now for teams who've got, you know, 10 games uh, in the books and now they're going to be off for, you know, a week here. So we'll see what happens. Hey, look, your your man Carey Price there is – I I just was realizing this. He's approaching 700 games here at 688. Uh, He's 4-0 with the squad right now too. Um. He's, he's always been a high caliber, you know, big part of this franchise here uh, for as long as he's been there and everything else. Um, mm-hmm. Is the 4-0 obvious or is Carey working real hard? Um, just maybe talk about where he is mentally and, and, and how you see his game play in terms of his prep um, as, as opposed to maybe, you know, when he first started out or, or you know, 400, 300 games ago. <laughs> Well, I, I, I could say this. Carey Price has had a share of, you know, ups and downs throughout his career, whether it was when he had Yarrow Halak as a backup and there was that ongoing battle between the two of them where, you know, you had Halak playing uh, the easier teams and Price playing the tougher teams and Price's stats were lower than Halak's and you had that whole, you know, issue with the, that playoff run in 2010. Uh, you know, the, the one thing about Carey Price that, you know, is a stigma on him is the fact that he's a slow starter. And if you look at his goals, his save percentage right now, that seems to be the case. His save percentage is hovering just below 910 right now. Uh, you know, he's a goaltender that can maintain a 930 without even blinking an eye. So it's it's tough to see him start off that way. And, you know, when you look at normal seasons where he's playing upwards of 70 games, he's seeing a lot of rubber. He's getting a lot of action. He's correcting things on the fly. 
Right now, he's getting games off in between because they've got such a capable backup in Jake Allen. I think that's hurting him a little bit, especially given the fact that these teams can't practice as often as they normally would. If I were the Habs, yeah, in a back-to-back situation, sure, you want to put Jake Allen there for one or two games. But example, when they played the the, the, the Flames on Saturday and then on, on you, know, you know, they played on Thursday. Price played the game on Thursday and then they had Allen in. Well, if you've got that one game gap, let Price play and let him get the rubber that he needs. I know they want to play him less because he's fresher in the playoffs where, you know, you play every second day. But there's no guarantee that's going to happen now either. So I would keep him in there as often as I can where there's no back-to-back situations just to keep him as fresh and as as engaged as possible so he doesn't lose his focus and concentration because that seems to be his M.O. when he sits a little bit too long or if there's not enough games ahead of him. That's a... That's a trip. I mean, it's a it's a it's a good end to look with look at, especially um, you know his like I said his his career here is up and downs, uh, and everything else in terms of way uh, you know he he's you know carried himself as a player and as a as a big uh, you know uh, face of this organization. And I just thought it was a trip there. I'm like looking at this, going, man, he's he's got that many games with the uh, with the team right now, and um, you know, I mean, because uh, I always think of Carrie because you know, me and you know each other for years, and you think of Lundqvist and the battles that they had, and obviously the playoff battles they had that had over the years, minus the injury oh, yeah. and everything else and stuff like that. So, you know, he's one of those guys here in, in the league who's who's had the most games now, and it's it's weird to me still looking at Carrie as a veteran in this uh, in, in in the NHL. Well, yeah, you're talking about, you know, you, you have that same feeling about, you know, guys like uh, Sidney Crosby, you know, uh, yeah, Gary Price and Sidney Crosby, that same draft year, 2005, you know, they're still playing. And, you know, you've got a guy like Ben Pouliot who was drafted fourth overall, who's not playing anymore. So, you know, there's variances there, you know, uh, they stayed relatively healthy. You know, uh, Crosby had his issues with concussions. Price had his issues after, you know, I'm not going to call it the dirty hit by Kreider. But when Kreider slid into him, air quotes being used by Costa, <laughs> you know, it's it's one, <laughs> that's one of those things, man, where, you know, uh, longevity is all about, you know, mentality. And I think Crosby has that mentality. Price has it as well. They stay relatively healthy. They work out nonstop. You know, the only thing Price has over Crosby is a couple of kids. But other than that, man, you know, I think I think the kids have refocused Price. And that's where, you know, he's getting back to where he used to be when he first started out. He's doing great. And, you know, the Canadians are just going to keep rolling so long as Carey Price. I won't say keeps turning out kids, but keeps his focus steady. Yeah, hey, look, it's nice to see him play with a nice mix of things going on up front. Uh, uh, good guys in front of him, obviously, in the defensive core. And obviously, guys putting giving him goal support. Um, which is huge too as well. All right, uh, Costa, real quick, um, last thing, wrap up before we go here, just a, a quick rundown of the division. Obviously, uh, the Senators tonight, they've been struggling down at the bottom there. Uh, and, and then just, you know, the Leafs too, obviously uh, playing just as well as you guys almost. Um, but just a, a quick rundown here and, um, you know, what, what's a, what's a storyline out of the rest of the teams in the division and uh, your take here so far with uh, things going on up north? Well, we talked about Ottawa. We weren't expecting much from them, right? Because they're so young and they're just getting the, their feet underneath them, right? And establishing their identity. That team's going to take a while. But, you know, with the leadership of guys like Brady Kachuk and, you know, uh, uh, if you're looking at Thomas Shabbat on the back end, they've got some young, good, solid leadership there. So I think that team's going to turn around sooner rather than later. But it remains to be seen. With the Leafs, it's the same old story. Goaltending and defense. They've 
they have their ups and downs. Some games, their defense looks unpenetrable. Other games, you know, it's only Morgan Riley. Some games, Freddie Anderson looks great. And other games, he doesn't. You know, it's it's there's no consistency there. And I think that's the one thing that the Habs have over Toronto is that the Habs are being consistent throughout their lineup. And Toronto just, you know, if it's not Matthews and it's not Marner, then where's it coming from? If it's not Nylander, it's not coming from anywhere else. So that's where they need to get a little bit more secondary scoring in order to get to that Habs level of depth. Uh, you know, you look at the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets have been able to get a couple of wins under their belt. They're starting to get a little bit of confidence. I'm not expecting much from them, but, you know, they've got a good coach behind the bench in Paul Maurice. You know, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois seems to be a good fit there so far. It's fresh. It remains to be seen whether or not that works out long term. But it's good to see the Jets getting a little bit of, of that confidence underneath them. The Flames are an enigma to me. They've got a good squad, good talent up front. And it's just not working out for them. You know, you got, they've got Riddick and goal and he, you know, some games he looks good. Some games he doesn't. Again, it comes down to consistency. Uh, their defense, Mark Giordano looks like an old man out there. He no longer looks like the Norris trophy winning defenseman. And that's scary because without him, they're in massive trouble on the back end. You know, Tanev getting him is not going to, you know, make up for what Giordano brings to the table for the flames. The Canucks, like we said before, the Canucks need a little bit from everybody and a lot from their goaltending. They're not getting good enough goaltending from either Demko or Braden Holtby. They need to be better in order to get that confidence confidence up for the defense. And if the defense is able to move the puck a little bit faster with that confidence, they'll have more success on offense. And finally, the Edmonton Oilers, the Oilers are who they are. You know, they've got average goaltending, one solid defenseman in Darnell Nurse, and a plethora of offense. They need to reestablish a defense on that team. They need to make a move to get somebody with a little bit more stability back there to be able to move them forward. And after that, sky's the limit for Edmonton. But they got to make changes on the back end. It's not going to help them until they do that. I hear that, man. Great rundown, man. It's um, it's going to be a trip, man, just with everything else that's going on in the league right now. But, uh, hey, look, man, as long as the hands keep rolling on, you'll be happy, right, buddy? Absolutely. And uh, no more Kreider talk for the rest of the season, okay? <laughs> All right, buddy, thanks. As always, man, look forward to talking to you next week, man, and uh, just have a great weekend, okay, buddy? I'll talk to you next week. You too, brother. Take care. Costa Papalias, everybody, right here on THS. All right, what do you say, guys? We go out to the great city of Chicago, and let's talk some Central Division hockey and some Blackhawks with our friend Tab. Tab, what's going on, man? Welcome back to THS, pal. Man, it is. Uh, we are right back in the snow here. So we're getting six more inches today, and then we're going to have highs in the teens or single digits through the weekend. So God bless. Yeah, right back I in know, the shoveling. I know what you feel, man. We got 12, uh, 12 inches out here. We're supposed to get some more this weekend, too. So uh, I don't know. Do you have a scarf collection? Uh-uh. I, I don't have one. I, I, I've got a few. Thank you for uh, arena giveaways for keeping my neck warm at times. <laughs> but uh, it is definitely hoodie season. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, man. So uh, I've been talking to uh, the other guys too about you know just to start things off before we get into the division and the teams is um, is COVID uh, and how it's affecting um, primarily the uh, the teams down here in the lower forty ninth. Uh, Canadian division has Canadian division hasn't been hit by it yet, but uh, you know news of the Sabers here, uh, Vegas, Minnesota, the Devils. Uh, started obviously a little bit with Dallas and Carolina there and Florida at the beginning of the season too. But uh, just get your take here on on what's going on with COVID kind of rearing its ugly 
ugly head here a little more amongst multiple teams here as the season that goes into its third week. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. And I think, you know, interestingly, the NHL added some additional protocols on the teams today. Um, they're removing the glass from behind the player benches. So it's going to, you know, hopefully have some more airflow. They're encouraging teams to put additional air filtration systems behind the bench. Um, which I think makes a lot of sense, get some airflow through the bench, open it up a little bit. Uh, the one thing that's interesting, uh, the NHL has told teams that they do not want uh, personnel getting to the arena more than an hour 45 before puck drop now, which uh, has been greeted with kind of a, predictably a mixed bag. Some guys enjoy getting there three, four hours in advance. Obviously, you know, the exception to that is guys that need a little bit of additional medical attention, but you know, guys have a routine. Yeah. They like to show up three, four hours before the game, get in a little extra work, get in some bike work, you know, get themselves mentally and physically prepped for a game. And cutting that back to a maximum of 145 is going to be tough. And so we'll see if that affects first period, see if that affects, you know, more teams getting off to a little bit of a slower start or some teams taking advantage and getting off to a faster start. You know, it might be uh, a little bit easier on the road uh, than at home. Uh, so, some guys like getting away from the kids a little earlier um, uh, or just, you know, getting to the rink, having some coffee and, and breaking bread with the guys a little bit before they jump into things. So it'll be interesting to see how those protocols work out. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, there are teams all over the league that are getting uh, beat up by it. Minnesota's got, you know, whatever, a dozen guys that are out right now. Ralph Kruger now has tested positive, so Buffalo's coach is, is dealing with it. It's hitting everybody, and I think the longer that it goes on, uh, the more that you look at uh, games being pushed back. Thankfully, we're early enough in the season right now that if you got to do three and five or four and six or something like that, it's not going to be a, a real killer. But if we continue to have you know, five- to seven-day pushes on teams in a, you know, March – it's going to get tough because you're going to have teams that are going to have more compacted schedules. And frankly, it's going to hurt the teams that are healthy, that are on the wrong side of the reschedule. You've got some teams right now that are healthy, sitting there twiddling their thumbs, waiting for the teams that, you know, Florida Panthers played two games in like a week and a half to start the season. Yeah. Uh, and they got the Blackhawks. So really they didn't face an opponent for two weeks. Oh, so cool. <laughs> uh, shade. But yeah, so, you know, it, it's hitting everybody a little bit differently. Um, hopefully these guys are able to police themselves, try and take care of themselves, uh, and we're able to get everybody healthier so that you don't have full organizations having to hit pause and teams are able to take advantage of the taxi squad and, and bring some guys in and maybe get some younger players some run that might not have otherwise had the opportunity. But the longer we keep missing games, the, the harder it's going to be to find time to reschedule stuff. Yeah, no doubt about it. Tab, let me ask you this. Um, you guys, the fourth period, you guys hearing anything about, you know, I, my question is the concern about the game going forward, uh, you know, financially, um, you know, with the reschedules and everything else. And then, uh, you know, a lot of teams kind of getting hit at once here. Or let's say there's there's more teams. Obviously, uh, you know, the financial banks of, say, the NFL and the NBA compared to the NHL, you know, with regards to how they can handle this uh, financially, money going wise with advertisers, sponsors, games getting canceled, obviously, or postponed, taken off air. 
um, you know, outside of just the general flow of, of operations for teams in terms, like I said, uh, staying uh, fresh and healthy while waiting to get back on the ice. But just concerned if, if there's any kind of maybe some red flags or any kind of concern that maybe you guys are hearing out, uh, about on your end. Well, I think as long as you don't have fans in the stands, it, it's tough for a lot of owners. Um, <clears throat> there's a there's a lot of moving pieces, and I think the larger picture is that there are more businesses that are being affected and impacted by this that uh, circle up or, or trickle up to the National Hockey League being affected. Uh, you have sponsors that aren't going to be financially able to make us as significant a commitment to a sponsorship in the future. Um, Obviously, this year you've got some logos on the helmets for make holes with different levels of sponsors in different cities. Um, you know, I think the one thing that's interesting is the NHL's TV deal for the United States at a national level is up at the end of this season. And with NBC Sports Channel going away, uh, you know, the NHL has been pretty open about the fact that they want to open it up to having multiple broadcast partners in the future. And there's been whispers that ESPN is interested. Obviously, Fox is out there. Um, so I, I think Gary Bettman did a good job negotiating a new deal in, in Canada. And I, I think we can be confident that he'll he'll get good money for what he's looking to do in the United States. So that'll help. But when you look at NBC, one of the big networks in the U.S., pulling the plug on NBC Sportsnet, um, I think the, the larger concern maybe the biggest concern other than having butts in the seats is the health and long-term viability of the RSNs, the regional sports networks that in most cases are going to be the day-to-day partners of these teams. Because if you pull the plug on a, you know, Colorado's local affiliate or Minnesota or Columbus, that's a big deal. They're not charging 150 bucks, 200 bucks a ticket Mm -hmm. like a Chicago or a Montreal or Toronto can. Um, I mean, even Pittsburgh. Um, and so if you lose, if the long-term health and financial viability of those RSNs starts to become an issue, I think that that's going to weigh more on the league than um, really anything else. And that's going to be driven, again, by, by brands being able to afford buying the sponsorship time. Um, I don't think the product on the ice really, has, other than the lack of games, um, games being missed, uh, I think the game on the ice is still in great shape. I think we've got a wonderful, young, fast, physical generation of hockey players right now from their teenage years all the way up into their mid-30s, frankly. So I think watching it from home is great, but businesses need to have the money to actually be able to pull the trigger on that. And that, that's going to be increasingly hard as businesses have to reconfigure and recalibrate what kind of marketing dollars they really have. So I think the lead, league's kind of staying on top of it obviously when they renegotiate their tv deal that'll be a a big component but the other thing that we have to keep an eye on is it's going to take a few years for the nhl to get back to where it was financially and hopefully into an even better place and so you'll really know how well the league is doing and how healthy it is financially when you get to free agency this summer and you see what kind of term and dollars some of these young guys are getting. And I frankly, I think you're going to see more guys doing what Taylor Hall did and betting on themselves in a one- or two-year deal to get through these hard times and come out the backside and look at banking on when the cap is ready to increase, when there's more money flowing, when there are butts in the seats. Um, but, yeah, I think I think the, the real tell will be how, how willing and able the owners are 
to commit to players uh, financially this summer and how desperate some front offices get to dump big contracts on Seattle in the expansion draft. Because there will be teams that will look at, a, let's say, a Brent Seabrook contract and say, man, that's 6 or $7 million I really can't deal with anymore. And when they eliminated the ability to backload deals with empty seasons to cut that AAV down, it now you've got really, for the most part, either you know increasing or decreasing signing bonuses, but the salary itself is going to be fairly consistent throughout the deal. Um, so how desperate teams get to dump big contracts on Seattle, uh, which could be a boom for the for the Kraken. Um, but then also what players and agents are able to do for both in years term and dollars in free agency. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I forget about the Kraken. And you might want to trademark, trademark that uh, boom for the Kraken. I like the way that sounds. <laughs> but that's gonna yeah, be I'm, not, I'm not sure how that looks on a T-shirt, but we'll <laughs> <Yeah>. go for it. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a trip. Uh, like I said, you forget, for me, just uh, you forget about the Kraken coming in here another year or so, too. So who knows what the landscape's going to be about. And like I said, we still don't even know about what you're talking about, about getting fans back into the stands here. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how the NHL really kind of survives uh, going forward and handling. Uh, this is something they didn't have to deal with during the Stanley Cup tournament because they had two two hubs. Everybody was in the same place. And this is different, and it seems to be kind of – the COVID seems to be creeping out. And it does. That's the other side of it, too, everything that you brought up there. The financial side of it is is huge because they already said that just doing this season is a loss to begin with. Um, all great points there. So let's uh, talk a little bit about the Hawks here, and uh, we'll get a little take on, on the whole Central Division here itself. But uh, after two uh, overtime shutout losses um, by one goal to the Preds, uh, they went and split with uh, CBJ. And I uh, had a 3-1 win on Sunday night uh, and then lost to the Canes uh, 4-3 in a shootout as well. And they play the Canes tonight, who are uh, playing pretty damn good uh, before they go and play Dallas. So what's your take here uh, on the last week since we last <laughs> talked last week in terms of their progression, if at all, on the Hawks side? Well, I think, you know, as we've talked over the past few weeks, one of the big questions coming into the season for the Hawks was, who is going to grab the net? We had three guys coming in none with a really long NHL resume. And a lot of people were really down on that position looking at it just from the outside. Like, who the heck is Colin D'Elia and Kevin Lankinen and Malcolm Subban's a former first-round bust? So what are they going to do? Now, you know, 11 games into the season, it's become clear that Kevin Lankinen's grabbed the number one job in Chicago, and it's his until I think he decides to give it back. He's... He's been phenomenal. He's averaging, you know, just barely over two goals a game against. Uh, he's got a 9.35 save percentage. It's going to become increasingly hard to keep him out of the Calder conversation. So, I think the goaltending situation has started to s- kind of settle down and sort itself out. Who the backup ultimately is, I think, is still a question. And obviously, with you know postponements, reschedules, and some back-to-backs, you'll see one of those other guys jump into the mix. But both. Delia and, and Subban have sub 90% saves for the season. So I, it's going to be Lankinen's job moving forward, I believe. But there are some other young guys who have really kind of stepped up. Philip Kurashev has been terrific. He he actually moved up to be the number one center now, uh, centering Patrick Kane's line. And he's got four goals, and he's playing very well. Uh, and to his credit, you know, Kaner, we've talked openly about how long is he going to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. being one of few people that you really have to 
look at and care about on that offense. And here he is, 11 points in 11 games, continuing to make things happen. He's averaging almost 21 and a half minutes a night, but he just keeps getting it done. So uh, I, th- I think the youth movement, maybe he's starting to feel some of that young energy uh, on the ice. Uh, but some of the young players, Pia Suter, Philip Kurashev uh, up front have really stood out. And then on the back end, you know, <clears throat> Nicholas Baudin and Ian Mitchell have both looked really good as well. So, you know, we have talked about the Blackhawks over the last few weeks about finding chemistry without the preseason games, um, figuring out who goes where, who does what, what situations guys are best in. And for as doom and gloom as it was after four games and allowing 20 goals in the state of Florida, the Blackhawks have been fairly entertaining. Uh, and they've got they've got some upside. And I think there's a lot of fans now that are sitting back saying, how good would this team be if they had Kirby Doc and Jonathan Taves in the lineup? Because you you got you're you're competing with teams like Carolina, and that Carolina team is damn good. Uh, they're they're good top to bottom, and they've got scoring everywhere, and they've got guys that are playing in every situation. Um, and they hung in with them, and really it was a fluky goal that was the third for them that ended up forcing an overtime, and you lose in a shootout to a really good team. So you know it, it, you do wonder what if you had your top two centers available. Because I think a lot of these young guys are showing, to Stan Bowman's credit, that the cupboard was not as bare as I think a lot of people thought it was. Yeah, that's great. It's great to hear. And um, I, I wanted to ask the other: Do we know what what Jonathan Tay's illness is, or when he could come back? I mean, especially for for all of us outside the Chicago market, there any, any news on that? Even inside the Chicago market, he is completely off the grid. Um, you know, Stan Bowman spoke, uh, I think it was earlier this week, and just talked about he's been tested for just about everything. He's feeling lethargic, um, just energy wasn't quite there. And obviously with social media and message boards and comment sections, people come up with every theory they can. Uh, he's been tested for just about everything. All those tests have come back empty. Um, and so right now you just cross your fingers, hope and pray that the guy can get himself physically right. Uh, and if hockey's in the cards for him, get back at some point. But right now he is off the grid and the Blackhawks are moving forward without him. Uh, and I think the him missing is amplified by not having Kirby Doc too. I mean, broken wrist in a warm-up game for the World Juniors and he's effectively done for the regular season. You know, it's surgery and it's a four- to five-month timeline, which I wouldn't rush him back unless you're really thinking that the playoffs are desperately necessary in Chicago. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't push for him to come back, but he, there's superstar written all over that kid. Um, and so having both of them out now, you're experimenting. And Kurashev is, like I said, he, he jumped into that top-line role a few games ago, and he's looked really good skating with Kane. Uh, Pia Suter, another new guy, spent some time on, on that top line. He's now moved down. But, you know, when you've got Dylan Strom winning 8 out of 27 face-offs, Against Carolina, it's hard to sustain puck possession that way, uh, and certainly Jonathan Taves is one of the one of the best in the game at the dot and on both ends of the ice. So, uh, so those are two huge losses. But again, you know, it's an opportunity for kids to step up and get some ice time that they might not have had a, a shot at previously. And so, uh, boy, to the, those young guys that are taking advantage of an opportunity, uh, and if and when we see Jonathan Taves and, and Kirby Doc back in the lineup. I think the Hogs' depth will feel and look that much better. Absolutely. And something about those Strom brothers having struggles in the uh, face-off circle. 
Brother Ryan's not doing too good out here in New York either. Um, you said the Hawks were entertaining. So last thing on the Hawks here, too, and just get a couple quick takes on the division here uh, before I let you go there, Tab, is um, Coach Colleton, um, do you, I know it, it's, you know, here in New York, like we're hoping Quinn here rolls Shesty here for five, six, seven games. He was going back and forth between Georgiev. Um, obviously, Lincoln and now getting four straight starts. Is Do you see a system? Like I said, you said they're entertaining to watch. Is is Coach Collinson running steady lines around all the variables and the different things that they're dealing with in terms of guys out of the lineup and, and injuries and so on and so forth? Um, but how do, you, how do you feel he's coaching this team, and do you see a system? I mean, they're losing close games. Um, what, what's your take on terms of the uh, mainly the system of the Hawks right now that's allowing them to be entertaining and competitive at this time? There, I mean, there's still, I mean, obviously, after watching Joel Quinville use his infamous line blender uh, starting eight minutes into every first period, um, you know, rolling consistent lines is, is nice when it's available. Um, the Hawks have been hit with COVID. You know, Alex DeBrinkett missed a number of games. Uh, Adam Boquist still out. So that's where Nicholas Baudin is slotting in on the blue line. Uh, Matt. You know, Carpenter's still out up front, and he's been one of their key penalty killers. So I think special teams, you're starting to see a little bit more experimentation. You're starting to see some guys slot in at different places. As, as young guys, you know, show that they've got some capability, um, you start mixing and matching a little bit on special teams. Up front, you know, I think Suter wasn't great at the dot. Kirishev has some work to do, but he's a little bit younger. Obviously, we just talked about Strom's issues, but finding people who can skate with each other and then leaving it there to develop chemistry is so big. I think you've started to see Colton really start to identify that, you know, Stroman to Brinkett have chemistry going back to junior. Uh, they're otters for life. So I think those two guys, certainly when Strom was acquired via trade from Arizona for Nick Schmaltz, those two jumped in and had and locked it in and looked great right from the jump. Now you're starting to see Kurashev playing pretty well with Patrick Kane. So now you, you start to see where guys can slot in, but you know, Walmart has been out with COVID Carpenter has been out with COVID. So you're starting to see some other kids get a crack at it. And as they start to show what they've got, it's going to force Jeremy Colton really when all these guys come back off of the COVID protocol list, you know, that's going to, uh, you know, disrupt the apple cart a little bit. He's going to have to make some tough calls on whether or not a Matthew Highmore sticks in the lineup or, or a Brandon Hagel when he, he's got a couple veterans that come back that are obviously more seasoned and more of a known commodity at the NHL level. So you are starting to see Jeremy Colton's influence. You're starting to see um, that chemistry develop as well. I think the biggest thing, it doesn't matter what system you run, if the guys haven't skated with each other, it's not going to look good. And you saw that in Florida. They were, they were a dumpster fire against the Panthers and the Bolts. But now they've started to show some chemistry. I think they're communicating better. I think they've got their blue line figured out pretty well. Calvin DeHaan, Ian Mitchell, and, and Duncan Keith have kind of been working together with those two good veterans working with a young guy who's got a, a limitless ceiling. I, I'm a big Ian Mitchell fan. So when you see that and, and you start to see guys start to effectively interchange with other guys um, and be able to plug in on special teams, you know that the systems are starting to take hold, whether you've got guys out of the lineup or not. So, um, so for what he's had to work with, I think Colton's done a pretty good job so far. Excellent, man. It's great to hear, man, uh, especially for, uh, you know, things can line up, you know, with him behind the bench and things kind of line up for this team as they go forward and progress together and they stay in the pack, uh, not only this season, but going forward. It'll be great for the Hawks 
Um, uh, just a last quick take here uh, on, on the division here. Obviously, Tampa Bay still up top there. Canes and Cats playing well and stars since they came back out of uh, COVID protocol. Uh, CBJ is CBJ. Uh, wings at the bottom is expected. Uh, we're talking about the Hawks. Any take on the Preds here as far as them sitting down there at the bottom there, 4-5-0, and and their start this season? Yeah, I mean, when you look at zero points in four road games, that's a problem. Bigger problem is 22 goals scored in nine games. Um, I mean, that's not even two and a half goals a game for them. Uh, and that's a team that made some some tough decisions in the offseason, made some changes, uh, and they have a veteran team, and they've got a few guys that are kind of coming to the end. Um, and some young guys, certainly, that are that are starting to emerge. But for everything that we talked about, Chicago trying to find chemistry, things have improved for Chicago as the season has gone along. They haven't in Nashville. Um, that offense is really fighting it. They're 4-1-0 at home, and that's good, but that that 22 goals, four and nine games is just not going to cut it, especially in a division where you've got certainly Tampa, Carolina, and Dallas are th- three teams that are going to be able to put the puck in the net. I mean, Carolina's got as many goals in seven games as Nashville does in nine. Florida has as many goals in six as Nashville does in nine. So that that's something to keep an eye on. And, and if things don't change on the ice – then the people that are on the ice might start changing in Nashville. So that's a situation that I would definitely keep an eye on because I think they have to improve or things have to change uh, because that the 0-4-0 away from home with where we're at this season and everything that's come across with COVID, you can kind of understand a team struggling a little bit. I mean, the Blackhawks have three points in six games but still don't have a win uh, away from the United Center. But the 22 goals in nine games isn't acceptable uh, for a team with as much talent as Nashville has. So um, I would ke- I would definitely keep an eye on them, and I think they're a team that's worth watching as as the season progresses because they might look to sell sooner than later if things don't change. Yeah, absolutely. So heading into week four here, dealing with COVID, dealing with having to climb back up into the standings here in these divisions, which is really important in a 56-game season. Uh, Tab, always appreciate your take as always. Before I let you go, man, big game Sunday. Who you got? I'm rolling on the Brady bandwagon. I got the Bucks. Uh, I'm going 31-27. If you want to write that down in ink, uh, <laughs> and uh, pick the click for those of you who are of the wagering orientation or predisposition. Uh, Tampa Bay linebacker Devin White plus five thousand for Super Bowl MVP honors. Had a couple turnovers in the NFC title game. Uh, another turnover or two for him in the Super Bowl. And if he wins uh, that MVP award. Uh, those who take my advice and follow me, including me, uh, could make a little money on Devin White as Super Bowl MVP. But I'm rolling. I'm rolling with the goat. Uh, Brady will get number seven. We'll see if he rides off into the sunset with one more ring. Uh, but it, the good thing is, you know, when you look at there have been some conversations and articles about, you know, some hockey fans feel like it would have been great to get a Crosby, Taves, Penns, Blackhawks, Stanley Cup final because you want to see. You know, the alphas, the dynasties really go at it with each other to contemporaries who play together on Canada's teams at, at the Olympics. Uh, you, you, you would have loved to have seen that. You're getting that in the Super Bowl. You're getting the goat and you're getting the heir apparent. You're getting everything that TV would pray for in a Super Bowl. So 
it should be entertaining. Hopefully it lives up to the hype. Uh, hopefully everybody stays safe. And those who are watching from home uh, do so in a safe, responsible fashion and don't do anything dumb so that we can get this COVID thing done and hopefully at some point get back to some semblance of normalcy. Amen, brother. Well said, man. Yeah, and I think uh, I agree with you there with Brady. Eli Manning's not going to be in the building, so I think there's a pretty good chance he wins another or, one. Or so. Nick Foles, says the choking Chicago fan who watched whatever <laughs> Nick Foles is this year. Uh, no, you're right. If, if there's no Foles and no Manning, I think Brady's got to feel a little bit of confidence. But Mahomes is no slouch, so we'll, we'll see how it plays out. It should be fun. All right, man. Enjoy the game. Be safe, and uh, I'm going to follow you now and take those tips and maybe try and win some money with you this weekend, buddy. Take care, man. Sounds good. God bless. Talk to you soon. You got it. Tab Bamford, ladies and gentlemen, join us every week here at THS talking some Central Division and the Chicago Blackhawks. All right. It's time now to go out to the, the left coast, the west coast, the best coast. I don't know. It all depends on what coast you're on. But right now it's time to bring our buddy Steve Palumbo back to THS here for our weekly recap of the Western Division and talk a little devil's hockey. So, Steve-O, welcome back, buddy. How you doing, man? Hey, Polly, I'm doing great. I'm glad to be back. Just enjoying a little bit of sun here down by the uh, the beach. That's Close not to the nice. beach. We're buried in snow here, Stevie. <laughs> That's just not cool. But lucky you. <laughs> That's right. You got uh, what, You have some sun, what, in a couple months? When does the sun come out there? Uh, March? April? Yeah, March, hopefully. Yeah, we, <laughs> we don't know if we'll be marching in the St. Patrick's Parade this year, uh, like it was canceled <laughs> last year. But uh, we'll see what happens. So, look, pal, um... You know, I was talking with the other guys today, too, what we're leading off here, and we'll do the same thing here, and we'll, we'll get to the uh, the division, and I guess we'll, we'll kind of go out of the gate here with the Devils and everything else. Uh, COVID is 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 obviously having a, a big impact on the NHL here these last couple of weeks. It started a little bit there with Dallas and Carolina um, in the beginning, uh, some of the Southern teams there, uh, and then now it's, it's you know, it started with Washington a little bit. Uh, but this week, we've got Buffalo out, we've got Minnesota, your Devils, um, some issues going on in Vegas there too. DeBoer and Peter Angelo missing practice and possibly missing the game here too. Um, just you're you're looking back at this right now as far as COVID. What's your what's your take on this thing? Kind of you know for for the first time it's actually you, you know affecting your team that you cover you you watch and everything else. Uh, it hasn't happened here for the Rangers yet. Obviously our our game against you guys is postponed this weekend. But you know a guy who follows a team now you lose you know whatever it is two to three uh, games a week. What's that? What's your take on what's going on? Yeah, I just think the whole thing over the weekend was really unfortunate. You know, I know Buffalo's pretty upset with uh, the way things transpired, and I think they have a right to be um, with both the Devils and the league. Uh, you know, as far as I know, the Devils followed all the protocols, but, you know, when Travis went out in the Saturday game and then Carl Palmieri was pulled in the Sunday game, right then that should have raised a few flags and, and the game probably should not have been played. Whether that would have prevented any of the transmissions to Buffalo, who knows, but right now it's going through Buffalo. They've got several players on the list, and pretty much the entire Devils team, uh, it's easier to say who's not on the list than who is on the list because it's hit it hit the Devils really hard, and it's, it's really unfortunate, especially the way they've been playing. Yeah, I mean um... – and that's the thing, like, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit, uh, you know, you know, on the first couple of weeks here in the shows, and we just have to kind of wait and see how this happened and, um, you know, how it just affects organization, teams flow, coaching, everything else. And I was talking about, to Joe before about the Sabres, and, you know, you, I, you can't practice. There's no, there's nothing going on. So you just kind of, kind of have to sit still and, 
and wait here. And, you know, here the Devils here after nine, game, nine games played, 4-3-2, and two, uh, 10 points there in the division. Uh, you had a split with the Islanders. You lost two to the Flyers, 5-3-3-1, and three, one, uh, and then split with the Sabres uh, with the 5-3 win before the, for the COVID pause here. Um, and then, uh, like I said, you got the two games versus Pittsburgh postponed and then one with us. And, and, and then hopefully you get back to, uh, you know, things when the guys get back on the ice, if they do get back in there soon, you got uh, Pittsburgh, Philly uh, back to back and then Boston a couple of times. Um, you know, I think all the teams I, know, I was looking at the Rangers yesterday. The uh, it's, it's just a gauntlet of a schedule. Rangers have like six games with Boston coming up uh, uh, in, in yeah. the mix here. But um, let's let's kind of talk about a little more about how the team was playing here. Um, before this break, and we'll try and figure out how these guys might, you know, continue it on the other side of it. Well, first and foremost, let's hope that they come back healthy. You know, there's the issue with Marco Rossi. Um, that's that's the most prominent one I can remember, where a guy he's had to take the whole year off because of side effects from COVID. We don't actually know if any of the Devils have COVID or it's contact tracing or positive tests. They ha- haven't really said much. So let's assume they, you know, they can come back healthy. And and I don't think it's gonna they'll be back next week. I think it's, it might extend beyond that because of the scope of the amount of players that tested positive. So we may miss some more games, but if you want to look at it on the bright side, the devils were playing well. They, they dropped the two games to Philly, but they were in both those games. They played very well. Uh, they probably should have won at least one of them. They, um, and then they came in and, and they played well in that first game against Buffalo. Uh, were able to fight their way back to grab themselves a point, And then, you know, they, they beat them in the second game. Um, if we want to look on the bright side, when the Devils do come back, they should be a full roster. They should have Nico Heischer back. They should have Sammy Vatanen. Mackenzie Blackwood came off the COVID list as everyone else was going on, so he should be back. So for the first time all season, we might see the entire Devils team playing, and that, that's an interesting proposition considering the way that they've played and the, the, the way that Lindy Ruff has been able to find you know players that work well together. That fourth line, the BMW line they're calling it, has is, is just been phenomenal. Jack Hughes has found something with uh, Janssen and uh, Jesper Bratt. Uh, that line has been phenomenal. And then you you inject Nico Heischer and you, you pull a guy like Tennyson maybe out of the lineup and put Sammy Vatten in there, and that's going to help the power play. And, of course, you get Mac Black between the pipes, and he's just been stellar before he went down. So I, I'm positive, uh, you know, looking forward, but let's just hope that this COVID thing doesn't wreak havoc on the team's overall health going forward. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, I mean, up front, you know, the young guys, too. Miles Wood there, five goals, used with three. Um, you know, and even uh, Ty Smith there, you know, he's 20 years old here with, um, you know, eight points. You know, uses 19. I mean, Miles is 25. I mean, crazy to say, you know, a, an experienced veteran at that age. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was uh, – you don't want to know what I was doing when I was 25. I certainly wasn't uh, – Leading uh, uh, an NHL hockey team in goal scoring, but uh, <laughs> the youth the youth mix up front there is is is, pr- is pretty good. At, you know, in and around everything that's going on, um, is, is there? I know you know you, you're bringing up certain guys there, but those guys leading the team there scoring. I mean, um, you, you got you, what's your vibes for those guys down the future as far as the Devils? You know, being able to hang on to these guys and 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 playing for this organization. Yeah, that's tough to say. I mean, fortunately, a lot of them are, you know, are still young and on their entry level contracts and, and Woods, you know, re-signed a couple of years ago. So he's under contract. So, um, you know, I, I, I think 
this is this this season is going to be a showcase for these players. Are they players that the Devils want to commit to long term? Are they people that players that the Devils consider expendable? Um, I think you're going to see a lot of guys, especially with the taxi squad. We saw Maltsev come in the other day. Just guys kind of going in and out of the lineup and and showing if they're you know going to be part of this team's future or if there's somebody that maybe the Devils move for. Uh, an asset or, or two later down the line. I think this was a really big year for Miles Wood. He said it himself. He wanted to be more of a leader, take more of a leadership role. And I think he's done that. And he's fine. No matter what line they've stuck him on this season, he's been a, a play driver. And you could never say that about Miles Wood in the past. I mean, he's using his speed. He's getting, he's finally finishing some of those chances. He's, he's been tenacious on the four check. And playing with guys like Mike McLeod, who's been phenomenal since since coming up, and Nate Nathan Bastian, that line is just tenacious. They would they had Buffalo pinned in the zones for minutes at at a time. It felt like like Buffalo just had no answer. They they, they were completely gassed, and those guys were just you know working cycles around him. So uh, there's quite a few guys. I think you know a guy like Will Butcher, who who the Devil was really high in the Devil system and hasn't had a chance to get into the lineup, would be somebody that I would consider would be expendable at this point. And I think you'll start seeing you know, guys start to differentiate themselves from like who's in the long-term plans and who's guys that are, are may not, you know, belong for, for their tenure in the devil sweater. Yeah. Well, it looks good, man. I mean, it's uh, I mean, that's the main thing. It's positive. You look new coach, new system, um, definitely a very unique season here. And the fact that, you know, they're not getting really, you know, the, blown out they you know the devils let's be honest they they you, you would have seen everybody's talking the rangers islanders would have been uh you know a little better than them in the league right now and and you know they're they're hanging in there they're they're only a point behind pittsburgh here and and four points behind you know the caps and stuff like that and so they're, they're in the mix they're in the middle yeah and i think that's great yep. for for the organization it's got to be great for lindy and obviously the gm there and and the fans as well too because um, you know, a lot of people probably didn't give them a sniff this year, and they're showing uh, that they can compete. Um, you know, obviously the goaltending's pretty solid. You got PK back there, um, mm-hmm. so you got a nice little mix of uh, you know some some experience, uh, the veteranship there, and obviously the leadership with Lindy Ruff. And and like I said, they get through this little pause here. Everybody comes back healthy. Uh, they can drop back into it and get back on the tracks and keep it rolling. So there's no doubt about it. I, uh, I mean, it's a short season. There's still so much to see. But right now, it's 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 a good look for the Devils, and I think that, like I said, that's something that maybe a lot of people didn't think was going to happen, especially out of the gate. You know, there's, yep. what's happening in Detroit, It's that's everybody predicted that. What's happening in Ottawa, everybody predicted that. Oof, Not so yeah. much here in New Jersey. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a nice surprise. You know, they the Devils, the Sens, and the Detroit were the dread, and Chicago were the teams that everyone was expecting to battle for that lottery spot. And to see the Devils compete as hard as they do, you know, they're not they may not win every game, but to see that the level of compete that they have and they don't they don't quit, it's it's very encouraging considering what's happened over the last several years. Absolutely. All right, man. So let's um let's go uh, where you are, West, and let's run down this division here a little bit. Um, not too much has changed as far as the guys at the top. You know, St. Louis seven yeah. two and one, Colorado seven three and one, uh, Minnesota obviously now they've got COVID and they've got a pause here. They're at six five and zero. Oh. Uh, Vegas now a little COVID breaking in here. We know what's going to happen this weekend, but um, we'll see five one and one. And then run down. You got your total two local teams here in Anaheim four five and two. The Kings three four and two. Yotes and Sharks both down at the bottom there three five and one three five and zero. Oh. Um. Let me ask you what you like, what's going on at the top, maybe who's something standing out, and maybe something that's surprising you at the bottom 
as far as the Sharks, Sharks and the Yotes, and then obviously get a little bit of a take on on your local teams there in Anaheim and L.A. Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, it's interesting. St. St. Louis just continues to get stronger and stronger. They, you know, they've won their last four games in a row, and um, they're starting to get a bunch of different contributions. A guy like Vince Dunn, who uh, you know, on the trading block has been playing really well and they're, they're getting some, uh, some finally getting some goaltending. I mean, they're still giving up a bunch of goals, but they're finding a way to put the puck in the back of the net and they've been able to overcome the loss of, uh, uh, Peter Angelo in the back end. So that, that's interesting. Uh, also, you know, Colorado at seven, three and one, they've been good, but they haven't been this juggernaut that we thought they were going to be, but they, you know, they're, they're winning games. And, and unlike last few seasons when uh nate mckinnon has been healthy and had to pick up the slack for guys like uh Rantanen or landis gogger you know being injured now it's going to be nate mckinnon who's you know obviously one of the best players in the world and and now he's going to be out week to week so it'd be interesting to see how how colorado responds to that but not surprised to see those two kind of uh playing uh, in the top of the division there um obviously vegas hasn't played in a while because of covid so we, there's not a whole lot to update on them but, you know, the rest of the league is pretty much playing 500 hockey. They're just kind of beating up on each other. So, you know, there's a real chance here for uh, the Blues and the Avalanche to to kind of separate themselves from the pack. Although they do play a back-to-back this week against each other, which we uh, must see TV. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 what you look forward to. And it looks like Kyle is getting a couple of guys back in their lineup as well. Um, yep. You know, and as far as the goaltending there, I mean, uh, between, uh, you know, Grubauer and, and – um, Wellington and, uh, and St. Louis, uh, two of the top guys in the league as well, playing against each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's the kind of stuff you want to see that, you know, the, the best players playing in the biggest moments against the biggest opponents. And, you know, as long as St. Louis's goaltending continues to, to improve, they're going to be, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. And, and Colorado, I mean, I just think they're only going to continue to get better and stronger and, you know, really start, uh, being the team that we thought they were going to be when the, uh, Although I mean, they're no slouch. Don't get me wrong. I just yeah. thought they would be it would be more convincing, you know, the way that they looked on the ice. But yeah. well, they're on good track to 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 follow through on that. So uh, we'll see what goes on there. So let me ask you this about the Kings and, and and Anaheim here. As far as you know, what's the vibe out of those two franchises here? Coaching uh, storylines. What what you're seeing? Uh, any concerns or or highlights that you want to kind of maybe point out? Well, they played each other the other night. And, uh, you know, the Kings wore those sweet reverse retros. Yes. And, nice. um, but man, that Ducks team, they were all over them. And this is not a good Ducks team offensively, but they were just relentless on the puck. They, they were just pounding the Kings. It was super shocking. But the Kings, you know, had injected a bunch of their young players into, uh, into their lineup. And that was fun to see. I mean, that is going to be a good team in the future. I mean, there's a lot of excitement out of LA with the amount of skill they have in their system. And obviously they have one of the best young talent pools in the league, but to see a guy like Arthur Kaliev score in his first game, that was exciting. And, you know, Cal Peterson playing goal, um, you know, he, he was good. I mean, there's so much talent up and down that lineup that the ducks, man, I, I don't know. I just, I see a whole lot of playmakers and, a, and not a lot of finishers in that team right now. And I think it's, they need to get Trevor Segris into that lineup to at least inject a little bit of, of, finish uh or they're gonna have a, a long long season <laughs> <laughs> well lucky for them it's not as long as usual these seasons right <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
uh, that's going to be uh, too much. Any any um, word out of San Jose there as far as Evander Kane and, and obviously the rough start with the off-ice news um, that he dealt with, um, you know, three weeks in now uh, as far as where he's been at, you know, as, as far as how his season's going so far? Yeah, there hasn't been a whole lot, you know, that's been made of it. Um, I think the the Sharks just wanted to kind of put that behind them and, and get to get to work, so to speak, once the season started. And, you know, they... They're 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 another one that's that's shocking at, at you know just how how poor they've been but you know with the, the amount of talent they have in that team and they're down there with the dregs of you know with with Arizona and and Anaheim as far as not being able to put the puck in the net and it's it's shocking um, they have they have a lot of talent on the back end they have a lot of you know talent up front you would think that they would be a little, little bit more scoring but that team this is another team that that need to decide or they want to be, you know, they think they're a playoff contender or somebody who's ready to start rebuilding. And there's, <laughs> there's a lot of work there. I know they committed a lot of money to guys like uh, Kane and to Carlson. And um, so it's going to be a tough one for, for Wilson to kind of, um, you know, fix. Yeah. Well, he's been having to do that for many years there. Obviously the, um, the Stanley cup run there a couple of years ago with DeBoer and everything, but, uh, not ending up the way they wanted it to. And now it's, it's a different look here for the, the sharks, uh, as far as, you know, uh, yeah. just turning the whole organization around. And you, you know, you look at this West division, um, and you know, you, you have the Kings in Anaheim who, who had so many good years, productive years, uh, playoff years. And, uh, to see them kind of, you know, um, finding their identity again, new identity. You know, the, the Coyotes have pretty much been the same thing, uh, you know, uh, for years as well, too. When when, and if they're ever going to break out of it, you know, a playoff spot here, a playoff round here or there over the last five, six years. But uh, nothing uh, earth-shattering. The biggest news that ever come out of Arizona here, mostly out of the years, is, the, is their arena issues. Um, and then, you know, yep. Vegas has stolen the story here, obviously, in uh, the last couple of seasons with them. And, um, and now Minnesota obviously trying to, um, you know, stay in the mix there, uh, which it, it's a really good, young, talented team. And, um, you know, th- those, you know, uh, what I'm getting at is you, you take St. Louis and Colorado, you know, who's going to, who's going to, who are the two teams that are going to get those two last spots, those last playoff spots? Uh, Vegas, of course, is going to be one of them that's going to grab the spot. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that. And, and I think at this point it's, going to be minnesota minnesota seems to be the 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 one that's really going to work for it now i don't want to count out anaheim or los angeles i i'm not i'm not sold on san jose i'm not sold in arizona but for some reason as far as as bad as the offense has been in anaheim they're still continuing to hang around they're they're collecting points early on i think they've got points in six of the first 10 games and um and then, you know, I think L.A., they have so much talent. They, they got guys like Dowdy and, and you know, they got the veterans in Brown and, and Kopitar. And, they, you know, Kopitar has been great this season. So I think those are the teams that are going to continue to hang around, especially in these interdivision games where they're stealing points from each other. And there's with the three-point games, I think teams are just going to hang around longer than we thought they would be. But ultimately, I do think Minnesota will be that team that, that will grab that fourth spot. Yeah, well, that's something to look forward to, and and you know, we, you know, we get to another week here uh, with you coming back here next week and see how things kind of progress, and and obviously, um, you know, unfortunately, we can't do a little more Devils on it because they're not playing right now, but uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Hey, look, the last thing I want to ask you, uh, Stevie, and and like I said, you're a 
you know, big Devils guy, and obviously Rangers here, and 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 you know, knowing them as well, uh, very well as yeah. an organization. I would love to get your take here on what the Rangers went through here these last couple of days with the Tony D'Angelo situation. Um, number one, if you can think of something, not 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 on the specifics of the content for Tony's, yeah. um, for you know, his discipline here and, and his departure here from the Rangers. But can you remember anything like this happening with the Devils? And the other thing I'll ask you, too, is do you think he's going to – you think somebody will, will pick him up? Well, first of all, I, I think the Rangers handled it really well. I thought they were really transparent. Uh, I think they came out and GM came out and said um, – you know, he, he kind of just laid it out there, explained what the situation with Tony and that he, he wouldn't bl- be playing another game with – with the Rangers. And I think that was important that there weren't the questions lingering out there. So I, I commend the Rangers for the way that they handle it. Um, I think that D'Angelo is a player that, what is this, his third team? And he's had problems on all three of them. And he had found a good thing in New York. I mean, last season, he was a big part of that team. And for some reason, he just couldn't let the ice off ice things like get away from him. He just, he just let it affect him on the ice. If he just focused on hockey, he'd be in a big part of this Rangers team. Um, from what I understand, there's a lot of teams that are interested or are talking to the Rangers about the possibility of bringing them in. But I just don't understand why any team would want to do that right now, especially in a situation like this season. Just the off ice stuff is just something they have other off ice distractions to worry about, like bringing a guy like that in. I just don't I don't see why that would make any sense for any team to be to be honest. Um, I just think the whole thing is really unfortunate. And as, as far as we're trying to recall anything like that happening with the Devils, um, I mean, I know you've had the things with like Bobby Holik when he signed with the Rangers. That thing, that whole thing oh, was kind of ugly the way it ended. What a horrible deal that was. <laughs> and Scott Gomez. Any, anytime oh, a, a guy leaves tray. <laughs> the Devils and goes to the Rangers, it's an ugly, <laughs> it's an ugly thing. But I don't remember anything this public playing out like this um, to this kind of, geez. Yeah, I really don't remember anything quite this nefarious, <laughs> to be honest with you. Well, that's the good. Devils, while Lou was in, in control, they, everything was pretty hush-hush. Everything was status quo. You never really heard anything until maybe years later or whatever. So I just think that, uh, you know, in Lou's world, a player like that would just simply disappear. You'd never hear from him again. Yeah, that's that's true. That day, but I, I believe there is a devil's witness protection program yes <laughs> that uh problem players go to and i think some islanders might be disappearing soon too <laughs> you know what i think i just thought of one player the whole mike jefferson mike danton thing that whole weird thing that happened with uh the player mike remember. jefferson what, what, who became mike danton or vice versa so he had a bunch of off-ice issues and then he he ended up like he, the Devils, they sent him down and he ended up requesting a trade and and because he, he wasn't happy with, you know, not being able to play at the big club. And there were just some things going on with his agent. And then I think he was traded to St. Louis. And then there was like a murder for hire thing. And then he went to prison. And so that's the only thing I can I can think off of the top of my head. Yeah, that, that I was very 2020 uh, A&E type show thing that was very strange if, if you're not familiar with it look it up it it's uh that that was weird so yeah that that one would be the only weird thing like that i could think of and and that would make the d'angelo situation look mild yeah i would say so well we'll see what happens man it's uh we uh we always want less off ice storylines than on ice storylines 
Right, uh, right. <laughs> we'll see what the Rangers do tonight against the Caps after all this stuff. And they played pretty well against the Penguins, all things considered. But uh, got a good one on tap here. Well, look, pal, um, I hope you find some fun in some other games until your Devils come back, man. <laughs> right. I wish, yeah. I wish you luck in that. And before I let you go, Stevie, who you got on yep. Sunday, buddy? Chiefs or the Bucks? Uh, I got to go with my man, Tom Brady. All right. Uh, got it. I got it. I can't. I mean, how can you not? I mean, obviously, Chiefs are a juggernaut, but I just never count Tom Brady out. So I'm gonna have to go with him. All right, I agree with you. I think he's gonna pull it off too, some magical way. And I was joking with the other guys. The reason is because Eli Manning's not gonna be in the building. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> All right, Steve. Look, have a great weekend. Thanks for doing this as always. We'll catch up next week. Hopefully, we'll have some Devil Hockey to talk about. Until then, stay safe and healthy, brother. All right, buddy. Appreciate it. Take care. You got it, Stay safe. Steve Palumbo, everybody. THS. Wrapping up the show with us, as he always does. Good takes there on uh, what's going on out in La La Land and the Western Division. And that puts a, a little bow on this week's edition of That Hockey Show. As always, want to thank Joe, Costa, Tab, and Steve for hanging out with me and want to thank you guys for listening and downloading tell a friend subscribe we're three weeks in we're just getting started and we look forward to continuing rolling on and hopefully all these teams and players get healthy and uh the game just kind of survives and keeps going so anyway tons of hockey on the schedule tonight enjoy your thursday night hockey enjoy the super bowl and as always stay safe stay healthy and as we say here on ths keep your head up That Hockey Show. We're out. Take care.